We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And away we go now. Episode 111 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. What we expect will be the final full day, if not the final day, for Max Scherzer on the Nationals. Perhaps the final day for a number of others on the Nats as Nats. The MLB trade deadline is on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. The trading away of Max, Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, Kyle Schwarber, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison could happen at any moment. The trade winds are a blowing. The winds of change in a week, unlike no other in Nationals history, as the team now is dealing with a second COVID 19 outbreak. Unbelievable. That which can go wrong has gone wrong for the Nats in this month of July, which is playing out as maybe slash probably the worst month in franchise history. I'll talk Nats later in the show. But hello and welcome to another installment of the Al Galdi podcast, in-depth Washington football team training camp talk 
will begin next segment. You have been warned. Reaction to every important thing that Ron Rivera had to say on Wednesday, including Ron on multiple rookie standouts in Washington's first practice at training camp. I'm also going to talk Terry McLaurin, including the potential impact of Ryan Fitzpatrick on Terry. Terry on Wednesday had a notable way of describing how Fitzpatrick impacts his pass catchers. We know that Terry is good. Is he poised to put up monster numbers this coming season? Will Terry, by the end of the 2021 season, be viewed as a top 10 receiver in the NFL nationally? Now, personally, I already view him that way. I know that plenty of you view him that way. But is this the season in which Terry breaks through the glass ceiling and is viewed that way across the NFL? How about the Capitals? They have traded back for Vitek Vanacek. One week after losing him to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft for the Kraken, the Caps on Wednesday evening traded back for Vanacek, dealing to the Kraken an asset that the Caps just got on Monday night, smooth GMing by Brian McClellan, smooth GMing by the man known as GMBM. We had GM GM for years, George McPhee. McClellan is GMBM. Uh, I will talk caps in a bit. I'll also talk Wizards off Tommy Shepard, who I guess you would say is GMTS, uh, speaking on Wednesday with the NBA draft happening on Thursday night and addressing the Bradley Beal situation. Has Beal asked to be traded? What is the Wizards thinking on swinging for the fences this offseason via trying to add a third major piece to Beal and Russell Westbrook, and I'll talk Orioles as well, a walk-off win for the O's on Wednesday night on four walks in the bottom of the ninth, two of which were intentional. Nothing says three true outcomes in Major League Baseball in 2021 more than that. Four walks in a bottom of the ninth inning and a walk-off win. By the way, rest in peace, Dusty Hill, the legendary bassist for ZZ Top, dying at the age of 72. ZZ Top before my time, but some all-time classic songs. You don't have to have been alive for the peak of ZZ Top or have been, you know, old enough to appreciate ZZ Top during the peak of ZZ Top to properly appreciate ZZ Top. I mean, some great songs, right? Sharp Dressed Man, Gimme All Your Lovin', Tush, high-energy songs. I'm a big fan of high-energy music. ZZ Top with its guitar riffs, just awesome. Now, I'm probably going to listen to a bunch of ZZ Top songs today. This always happens for me when a musician dies. The death, like, compels me to listen to that musician's best songs. That happened for me with uh, Soundgarden. I've always liked Soundgarden, but since Chris Cornell committed suicide a little more than four years ago, I've listened to more Soundgarden than I had over the previous, like, 25 years combined before he died. I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but, like, the death leads to a desire to listen to the music. You want to appreciate that person now that the person is gone. You're like, I should have enjoyed that person more. You're reminded of the professional greatness of that person. The psychology behind this is interesting. Anyway, Dusty Hill, rest in peace. Great musician, great band, ZZ Top. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A reminder, if you don't already subscribe to the pod, please consider doing so, subscribing Cost you nothing. And if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the pod, uh, please do so. Don't take long. Don't cost you anything. And again, it does help out the podcast a lot. The five star ratings help a ton. Tweet from Tom Mirabella of our Alex Ovechkin discussion 
on Wednesday's show, episode 110, during which I said that Ovechkin or Walter Johnson is the greatest athlete in D.C. sports history. Writes Tom, regarding greatest athlete in D.C. sports history, you are leaving off the greatest football player, Sammy Ball, parentheses, all-time king of position flex. Technically, there is also a guy named Jordan, but his great years weren't in D.C., so he gets a pass. Yes, we are not including Michael Jordan on the list of greatest athletes in D.C. sports history. But yes, you are right. I should have mentioned Sammy Ball. Slinging Sammy Ball. And he is perhaps the greatest example ever of position flex. The guy played quarterback, defensive back, and punter. Position flex. Yes, Ron. Position flex. Oh, there is a position flex update coming up in our Washington football team discussion that we'll get going in moments don't you worry. But I mentioned Sammy Ball. He was groundbreaking in terms of the forward pass in the NFL. Also groundbreaking is a great friend of the Al Galdi podcast, Dr. Matthew Mintz. Dr. Mintz is an internal medicine and primary care physician who is rated as a top doctor by both Washingtonian and Bethesda magazines. If you need a regular doctor, Dr. Mintz is accepting patients in his concierge practice. But Dr. Mintz also offers something very special and, yes, groundbreaking in the treatment of depression called Spravato. So Spravato is a new FDA-approved medication shown to be safe and effective in patients with what is called treatment-resistant depression. You see, while most patients do respond to traditional prescription medications for depression, up to one-third of patients do not improve even after two or more medications. This is called treatment-resistant depression, which can be debilitating for patients, can lead to thoughts of suicide, even lead to suicide attempts. If you or someone you know is dealing with treatment-resistant depression, understand it doesn't have to be this way. Spravato is a nose spray administered in a doctor's office. Unlike most pills that can take weeks to work, Spravato can start working right after the first treatment. And because Spravato was approved by the FDA, Spravato is covered by most insurance companies. Dr. Mintz will work with your insurance company to make sure that Spravato is approved and understand that for most patients, the cost of each dose is only $10. Yeah, 10 bucks, totally worth it to get your life back. And for patients with Medicare, Medicaid, or Kaiser, or with an insurance that doesn't cover Spravato, Dr. Mintz is also able to administer nasal ketamine, a nose spray similar to Spravato, and that treatment should cost less than $10 per treatment, even without insurance. Spravato can only be administered in authorized healthcare settings. Dr. Matthew Mintz is one of the few physicians in the DMV who is authorized to administer Spravato in his private Bethesda office. Dr. Mintz and his staff will monitor you closely throughout your treatment to ensure your comfort and safety. You can find out more by going to drmintz.com. That's D-R-M-I-N-T-Z dot com and clicking on the Spravato link. But if you, a friend or a loved one, have depression that is not getting better with traditional treatments or medications, there's no need to continue to suffer. Contact Dr. Mintz to find out if Spravato may be right for you. You can call Dr. Mintz's office at 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure you mention this podcast, the Al Galdi Podcast, because doing so will get you $50 off your initial consultation. That phone number again, 855-646-8963. If you are suffering from treatment-resistant depression, 
You need suffer no more. Contact Dr. Matthew Mintz and tell him Al Galdi sent you. All right. So we on Wednesday had the first practice of 2021 Washington football team training camp. Camp is in Richmond through Saturday. Most training camp days feature an actual practice and then a walkthrough, or as Mike Shanahan used to call it, a jog through. Uh, the schedule is a morning practice and an evening walkthrough or jog through. And Ron Rivera on Wednesday spoke via press conference after the morning practice. So Washington on Tuesday, on day one of training camp, announced a number of roster moves. Among them was placing two players on the active slash physically unable to perform list, what's known as the preseason pup list, Curtis Samuel and Greg Stroman. Not placed on preseason pup was Landon Collins, despite him coming off a ruptured Achilles. Uh, The ruptured Achilles tendon was suffered in that 25-3 win over the Dallas Cowboys at a rainy FedEx field in week seven of last season. So that was last October 25th. Pretty impressive that Landon Collins is good to go for the start of training camp off having suffered the ruptured Achilles last October 25th. Ron Rivera on Wednesday on Landon being good to go for training camp. Well, I think he worked at it. He worked very well, uh, very hard. Um, he did things that he needed to. And it's good to see him back out on the football field. He came in today. Um, so he's ready to roll, and I'm more excited about the competition we're having. Yes, the competition at safety. How exactly does Ron define the competition at safety? Is the competition that Ron was referring to as Landon Collins versus Cameron Curl at strong safety? Is Curl perhaps an option at free safety? Things can be done in a way in which free and strong safety are interchangeable. How is Ron looking at all of this? I, I see a, a, a good competition for the spots. I think, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but we rotate a lot of guys in back there, uh, especially with the, with the first bunch. So we'll continue to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to rely on the coaches and their opinion on, on what they see and, and how they think, think things are unfolding. And, you know, the nice thing is we will be able to play preseason games this year. We will be able to get a, fan, uh, a feel for, 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 you know, what our best options are going forward. All right. So Ron clearly leaving a lot of wiggle room when it comes to what he wants to do at safety. What is Ron looking for in the competition at safety? Consistency of play will be one of them, and, and not just their play, but how the rest of the guys around them play. You know, one thing that's really important that, that these guys got to be able to do is communicate. You know, they're kind of like air traffic controllers, and you know, making checks and calls, and making sure that the that the that the, the, the other DBs hear the calls and, and the linebackers hear the checks. You know, that type of stuff. It's about the communication, so it'll be about the consistency of the play of not just them, but when they're on the field, the guys around them. Yeah, and that always matters so much with safety play. How do those around you perform when you're out there? That almost matters more than how you perform uh, when you're out there. We have seen so much bad safety play with our team over the years. Hopefully, as we discussed in episode 106 of the Al Galdi podcast, safety finally is a strength for Washington. A guy who got a lot of run on Wednesday in terms of conversation was Washington's 2021 first round pick, Jamin Davis. He, during Wednesday's first training camp practice, played a bunch at the Mike linebacker. Jamin Davis already is being entrusted with a significant role. Ron has said that a big thing for him, i.e. Ron, is retention of the playbook from offseason practices to training camp practices. In other words, how well do players in training camp retain what was installed during OTA and minicamp practices? Ron on Wednesday got asked if anyone stood out during the first training camp practice in terms of this retention. Here was Ron's answer. Jamin stood out right away. 
Um, and, and again, he's one of the guys that we're counting on to, to be able to handle these situations, circumstances. Uh, it was good to see. It really was. Uh, a number of the young guys really did a nice job. You know, that's one of the groups you always worry about, the new guys that come in. You know, um, I, I really thought we had a lot of good retention. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that when you see the guys knowing where to line up, knowing when the motions happen or listening and hearing the defensive checks and, and slides by the defensive line, then you know that those things are, are, are becoming second nature. Uh, and that's important because that tells you that, that we're taking the next step. Someone else who stood out from Washington's practice on Wednesday morning was third-round rookie Benjamin St. Juice, who on some reps was playing outside corner with Kendall Fuller in the slot. Not that St. Juice playing outside corner is surprising, but is that something we could see when Washington has five or more defensive backs on the field this coming season? Fuller in the slot and St. Juice on the field and on the outside. Ron on St. Juice. Ben uh, is a guy that's got... uh, Tremendous skill set. He's long. He reminds me a little bit of Charles Tillman. You know, I, I was able to coach him back in the day, and I thought, you know, Charles was the kind of guy that, you know, that as he grew more and more in the defense, you could see his skill set start to shine, and that's what you see with Ben. Yes. So you might say that Ron likes St. Juice. Ron likey the juice. You like the juice, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know. The juice is good, eh? Yes, Ron likey the juice. You like the juice, eh? Uh huh. You like the juice? Ron likey the juice. Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, another roster move that was announced by Washington on Tuesday was placing Cornelius Lucas on the reserve slash COVID 19 list. So the starting right tackle spot, which already seemed to be Samuel Cosme's to lose, now is even more of Cosme's to lose. Ron on Wednesday on the situation at right tackle. Cornelius being out does give us an opportunity to evaluate Sam. It gives us an opportunity to evaluate a couple other guys. Sadiq is another young man we're, we're going to move over there and, and give reps to, which we have already. Um, so it, it's, it's an opportunity for, for, for guys to get reps is what it's creating and, and for them to show us what they're capable of. Um, you know, and, and then when, when based on the rules and all that, we get Cornelius back, we'll start getting him back into the mix as well. Yeah, tough spot for Cornelius Lucas to be in right now, given the competition at right tackle. You heard Ron mention Sadiq Charles. We've wondered whether Sadiq is more of a guard or tackle right now. Well, he's getting at least somewhat of an opportunity at tackle. How did Cosme look? More from Ron, and pay close attention to what he says. When you look at Cosme, you see a stout physical player who's, who's already gets it. He understands how to practice. Um, there are some little details that, that when I talked about young guys having learned, he's one of those guys. But his skill set tells you he can play the right side, but he also know he can play the left, and he can go inside and play guard. So there's some position flex with him, but he's got a, he's got a chance. He really does. He's got a chance to, 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 to fight for a starting position. Yeah, and I hope you heard that. Our first position flex mention of 2021 Washington football team training camp. There's some position flex with him. Yes, position flex. Samuel Cosme offers position flex. There's some position flex with them. Oh, I love it. Our first position flex reference of training camp for the Washington football team in 2021. We, of course, have had two big contract extensions for the Washington football team this week. Those for Jonathan Allen and Logan Thomas. The team, by the way, officially announced 
the Logan Thomas contract extension on Wednesday morning, announced the deal as a three-year extension. Ron, on Wednesday, on what extending Allen and Thomas means for maybe the biggest task in front of Ron, the culture rebuild. Well, I, I think, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's what it tells the other players, tells the other guys. You know, we're, we're trying to find ways to, to, to keep as many of our guys around, guys that we believe fit us, that are the right type of guys that, to fit into the culture that we're trying to create. I think that's important for those guys to understand. We've got solid young men, guys that are solid um, on the football field, solid in the locker room, and solid in the community, and that's important to us. And along those lines of the culture, Ron also has brought up maturity for his team. Not so much maturity from a standpoint of players, you know, acting like children, all right? This isn't a deal in which, you know, Chase Young's favorite television show is Paw Patrol, and uh, Ron is concerned about that. Although, there would be no shame if Chase Young's favorite TV show was Paw Patrol. That show is on in our house all the time, and uh, Paw Patrol merchandise is on the floor of our house all the time. But anyway, uh, the maturity that Ron is referring to has to do with handling the success of last season. And yes, I say that understanding that Washington only went 7-9 and nine last regular season, but Washington did win the NFC East last regular season. Here's what Ron on Wednesday had to say about maturity. I want to make sure that we understand that you just don't show up and pick up where you left off. I want to make sure we understand that we got to work our way back to where we were last season and play, and to be able to play to that ability. That That's when I talk. When I talk about maturity, that's what I'm talking about, is, under, is, is understanding how to how to handle success, and how to continue to work to create more success. That's what, that's what I talk about when I say maturity. And there may be no Washington player better equipped to handle the success of last season than Terry McLaurin. We hear from him up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So there may not be a more likable player on the Washington football team than Terry McLaurin. 2019 third round pick was supposed to be a special teams ace who maybe contributed at receiver. Instead, he has emerged as one of the best receivers in the NFL. McLaurin has 2,037 career regular season receiving yards. He and my all-time favorite Washington player, Gary Clark, the only receivers in Washington history to amass at least 2,000 receiving yards through the players' first two seasons with the team. McLaurin on Wednesday spoke via post-practice press conference at training camp. Here he was on the next step in his progression as a player. I was telling a couple of my teammates, you got to come back with a new year mentality. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have success my first two years, but um, I got to come out with a, a new year. I got something to prove mentality. That's how I've always been. That's why I feel like I've been able to progress like I have. And, um, you know, I put in a lot of offseason work on my body, making sure my ankles can withstand the 17 game season along with the rest of my body. My nutrition's good. Um, you know, I've been really working hard on my releases and my at the line um, work so I could get cleaner. Um, releases against these great DBs in the league. And I just think the next step is continue to improve in and, and being a lot more consistent, um, trying to be more of a deep ball threat down the field so I can help stretch the offense more. Um, you know, with Fitz, that'll really help a lot too. And um, I'm looking forward to what we got going this year. And um, I'm looking forward to the challenge of, of being the number one guy again. But I also can't wait to help um, bring our group along. So it's not just me, it's a all of us thing. Now, you heard McLaurin mention the ankles. McLaurin in the 2020 regular season played in 15 games. The one game that he missed was the 2013 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field in Week 16. He missed that game due to a high ankle sprain. But McLaurin on the Jim Rome show this past March 4th revealed that he in the 2020 season played through two high ankle sprains, one for each ankle. So how about that? The guy last season dealt with two high ankle sprains, and yet still produced as he did. McLaurin finished the 2020 regular season with 87 receptions for 1,118 yards and four touchdowns on 134 targets over 15 games. He became Washington's first 1,000-yard receiver in a regular season since Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson in 2016. And McLaurin became the first Washington receiver with at least 1,000 receiving yards over the team's first 13 games in a season since Pierre in 2013. McLaurin also in the 2020 regular season had just three drops for Pro Football Focus, and McLaurin in the 2020 regular season was number 10 in the NFL in yak per ESPN at 490. So let's think about this for a moment. McLaurin in the 2020 regular season totaled 1,118 receiving yards. 490 of the 1,118 yards per ESPN were yak, were yards after catch. That is a sizable chunk of his overall receiving yardage that he did on his own 
it's not like this guy was catching bombs downfield. This guy was turning short passes into longer gains. Terry McLaurin earned every bit of success that he had in the 2020 season, especially when you consider Washington's overall quarterback play, which was, uh, shall we say, not so good. So with that in mind, what about now the Fitzpatrick factor? Assuming that Ryan Fitzpatrick is Washington's starting quarterback come the regular season, it is exciting to think about what that could mean for Terry McLaurin. I just mentioned some of the great statistical production for Terry over his first two NFL seasons. That production has taken place despite McLaurin having caught passes from, uh, shall we say, a hodgepodge of quarterbacks. McLaurin over his first two seasons has caught passes from the following quarterbacks. Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and Taylor Heineke. Now, not all of those guys have been terrible all of the time, but I'm guessing that there aren't too many NFL receivers envious of Terry over him having had those guys throwing him footballs. Not that Ryan Fitzpatrick is an all-pro, but he is coming off three consecutive quality seasons. He is an aggressive thrower of the football, the likes of which Washington hasn't had for any sustained period of time in a while. If you go by the NFL's next-gen stats, the quarterbacks with the two lowest average completed air yards in the 2020 regular season were Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. Alex came in at 3.8. Dwayne came in at 3.6. Fitzpatrick ranked number 13 at 6.5. Fitzpatrick in the 2019 regular season was number five in the NFL in average completed air yards at 7.1. Fitzpatrick in the 2018 regular season was number one in the NFL in average completed air yards at 8.8. Terry on Wednesday on what having Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback could mean. I mean, I think it's very exciting. Um, each quarterback has their things to, um, you know, that they're they're good at or uh, they're comfortable with. But I think with Fitz, I think one of the best things is he's confident in his guys around him. Um, he really does a good job of um, empowering us and and also um, putting us in good situations to be successful. If there's a look up at the line that may not be, um, you know good for the play that we're trying to run. He knows how to get us in the right play and get the receivers um, into a, the best route possible for that type of leverage and things like that. And then just his ability to just, you know, give us opportunities down the field. But it's not just enough to get the opportunities. we got to come down with them. And that's where we come in. That's where, um, you know, the rest of the receivers come in. It's not just me. It's not just Curtis. we got a lot of guys fighting for positions that are really going to help us this year. And if the more all of us can help, the better it is for our offense, the better it is for me, the better it is for um, the whole team. So I'm really excited what he brings to the table. It's been really nice actually getting the springtime with them in OTAs because we got the opportunity to uh, kind of work out some kinks and now we're starting to fine tune things and um, I'm happy with the first day that we had today. Yeah, and Terry used the word empowering that Fitzpatrick empowers his receivers. Interesting word choice. That's a unique way of putting it. I like that. Uh, one thing to be mindful of with Fitzpatrick is the extent to which his number one receivers get targeted, the extent to which his number one receivers eat. So Fitzpatrick has had eight regular seasons in which he has made at least 10 starts. Those teams' number one receivers in those regular seasons finished with big-time target totals. You start with 2008, Cincinnati Bengals. TJ Hushmanzada, remember him, 137 targets. Now, that may not sound like a ton, but you got to remember, this is 2008 in the NFL. 
The league has become much more of a passing league over the last, say, 15 years. So 2008, TJ Hushmanzada, Cincinnati Bengals, 137 targets. How about what went down between Fitzpatrick and Buffalo Bills receiver Steve Johnson during Fitzpatrick's time with the Bills? 2010, Johnson, 141 targets. 2011, Johnson, 134 targets. 2012, Johnson, 148 targets. 2014, Houston Texans, Andre Johnson, 146 targets. How about 2015, the New York Jets, Brandon Marshall, 173 targets. Next season, 2016, Jets, Marshall, 128 targets. 2019, the Miami Dolphins, Devontae Parker, 128 targets. Now, McLaurin last regular season did get targeted 134 times. But he, in his 2019 rookie season, only got targeted 93 times. Terry is going to eat this coming season if Ryan Fitzpatrick is at quarterback. I mentioned Devontae Parker. Note this, Fitzpatrick over his two seasons with the Dolphins, 2019 and 2020, helped to transform Devontae Parker into one of the more productive receivers in the NFL. So the Dolphins took Parker with the number 14 pick in the 2015 NFL Draft out of Louisville. Parker, over his first four NFL seasons, 2015 through 2018, a decent receiver, but nothing special. And then Parker in the 2019 regular season, which was Fitzpatrick's first season with the Dolphins, set career highs in receptions, receiving yards, yards per reception, receiving touchdowns, and targets. And the receiving touchdowns total of nine equaled Parker's total for his first four regular seasons combined. And then last regular season, which was Fitzpatrick's second season with the Dolphins, Parker had the second most receptions, second most receiving yards, and second most targets in his career, and tied for his second most receiving touchdowns with four. And what's especially notable with what Fitzpatrick did with Parker is the following. Pro Football Focus tracks this stuff, rate of open targets. Devontae Parker's rate of open targets actually declined as his production took off. The thing with Parker's increased production over the last two seasons wasn't that he was getting open any more often than before. He was just working with a quarterback in Fitzpatrick who, to be honest with you, just didn't care as much, right? A guy in Fitzpatrick who's willing to risk it, who's willing to throw into tight windows. Ryan Fitzpatrick is willing to lean into the talent of his receivers. And yes, doing so can lead to some more interceptions, but doing so can also lead to a lot more production and many more big plays. And that's the excitement to me when it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's quarterback in 2021. More from Terry on Wednesday on this idea of Ryan Fitzpatrick empowering his pass catchers. Yeah, I think it's just his confidence. He doesn't really say too much. Um, He's not like a big rah-rah guy, but when, when you make a big play, you feel it. Um, you feel his ability to um, get you in the right play and, and know he's going to come to you. Um, so, you know, and he's telling you to do something, it's for a specific reason. And then, I mean, since I've been out here, it works. So I think that comes with his experience. I think that comes with the situations he's been in, big games and so many different offenses. He's thrown to a lot of great receivers. And, and as a guy like myself, I just want to be a guy that he can trust, a guy that he can make that adjustment. He knows Terry's going to be there, Curtis is going to be there, Cam, Deion, whoever is out there, he could trust that we're there. And um, I think he does that by the way he just gives us opportunities. As a receiver, you just want a chance. And a guy who's smart, who has confidence in his guys, I think that, that kind of just 
matriculates down throughout the offense. And um, you got to kind of a lot of confidence with, through everybody from the linemen to the skilled players through the quarterback. And um, that's when you're playing fun football, when everybody's confident and your quarterback is the leader and, um, you know, he empowers everyone. Yeah, there's that word again, empowers. We all know by now how bad Washington's overall quarterback play was last season. Just to quantify that, the Washington football team in the 2021 regular season was number 32 in the NFL, dead last in team total QBR per ESPN at 39.7. If Ryan Fitzpatrick, off having had three of the best seasons of his career, if not the three best seasons of his career, over the last three seasons, can just play at like a league average level this coming season. That is a huge upgrade for Washington at the quarterback position. As we are in the midst of these early training camp practices and of having had OTA and mini camp practices, does a receiver know early on whether he will have a good connection with a quarterback? More from Terry on Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah, I think you do. Um, I think, like I said, spring really helped not having that last year. I think I was okay um, doing that, you know, having I, the quarterbacks that we had last year. Um, you know, you get you get on the same page as camp goes along, but that springtime uh, puts valuable um, reps in the bank that help come out here, and things are familiar. You can you continue to see those plays, and it's like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that little adjustment that we made in spring. So now it kind of you don't have to take steps for, uh, backwards; you're taking steps forward. And um, with a guy like Fitz, I think we both have a good feel of uh, leverages. If the DB's high, I'm not going to continue to run high. I'm gonna cut it off. If he's low, I'm gonna take it high. Little things like that. Um, I think that comes with two smart football players, but also a quarterback has been around a lot and he has a good job of explaining it. So there's some things that he's been around and you may not have ever thought of. And then he gives you that adjustment and it just makes all the sense in the world. So I think you can put a price on that experience and um, we just got to continue to get better. I think we had a really good first day, um, but there's going to be some things on the film that we need to get better at. And I'm excited to see how we progress as a whole offense. And what would a Washington football team conversation be right now without the topic of COVID-19 vaccines? Yes, it's time for everyone's favorite topic once again. It came up again a bunch on Wednesday. So Ron Rivera on Tuesday sounded off on his frustration with Washington's low COVID-19 vaccination rate among players. Washington football team insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com on Wednesday asked Terry McLaurin if he wouldn't mind sharing his COVID-19 vaccination status. Now, I have to say, and this is no shot at Michael. I've had Michael on this podcast. He's a good guy. He's doing his job. But I'm not sure that I love players being asked about whether they have been vaccinated for COVID-19. It's tricky, right? Because you can certainly argue that that is a football question. Whether players have been vaccinated for COVID-19 matters from a football standpoint. There are these competitive disadvantages to not being vaccinated for COVID-19. The head coach, Ron Rivera, on Tuesday sounded off on his frustration over more of his players not having been vaccinated for COVID-19. At the same time, whether you've been vaccinated for COVID-19 is a personal issue. I mean, that's your business. Who are we as media members to be pestering you about whether you've been vaccinated for COVID-19? And obviously, if you say that you haven't been vaccinated for COVID-19, you open yourself up to all kinds of criticism from all kinds of people. Anyway, that to me is an interesting journalism question. Is it right to put people on the spot with whether they've been vaccinated for COVID-19? Well, here was Terry's response. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. Um, 
I mean, I think we all come to a point where, um, you know, we've our team's done a good job of bringing in all the experts that they have. And um, I feel like Coach Rivera respects, um, you know, everybody's decision to choose and things like that. Obviously, we know how he feels about it. Um, but I think it just comes down to everybody's personal choice. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, as a leader, I just want to do what's best for our team and, um, and just hope it doesn't, you know, affect us down the line. But I do respect each and every one of my teammates' decision to choose uh, what they decide vaccinations-wise. So I was on Kevin Sheehan's podcast and we talked about this. And I do think that this is significant. What you don't want is for this whole COVID-19 vaccine issue to divide the Washington football team. What you don't want is for those players who haven't yet been vaccinated for COVID-19 to start like hating Ron Rivera. You know, the belief is that both Chase Young and Montez Sweat have not been vaccinated for COVID-19. We learned weeks ago where Montez Sweat stands on all of this. Indications are that Chase Young is in agreement. His behavior on Twitter suggests as much. So two of Washington's best defensive players haven't yet gotten vaccinated for COVID-19. Is that going to make for a problem between them and Ron? I hope not. I'd like to think not. I'd like to think that we can, you know, peacefully coexist with each other over something like the COVID-19 vaccine issue. But Ron has said that he planned on talking to his players individually. What might those conversations be like? Are Ron and Chase and Ron and Montez going to have civil and respectful conversations? Again, I'd like to think that this will be the case. There really aren't any reasons to think that those conversations would not be civil and respectful. But we know that Ron feels passionately about his stance, and it may well be that Chase and Montez feel passionately about their stance. And all of these guys are alpha males. So, you know, who knows what ends up going down. Terry on Wednesday on Ron, especially considering that Ron, by his own admission on Tuesday, is immune deficient due to his cancer battle. He's done a great job of really trying to come and understand where guys are coming from. Um, I think we all understand the position that he was in last year and the position he's still in, and we have to be mindful of that. Um, we never want to put anybody in jeopardy, especially him coming off of uh, you know, the cancer that he was coming from. So uh, I think we're all very empathetic with that, and I think he does a good job of trying to understand where guys are at, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. But like I said, I think it's just a collective thing where guys have to make their own decision but also be mindful of um, how it can impact our team. And I think um, that's where it starts, and if you choose not to be vaccinated, then you have to follow the protocols and, and um, do what's necessary. And I think the guys are doing a good job of doing that. And um, we just got to continue to gain more information. The guys who may not be vaccinated are unsure. We got to try to help get them information and, and, um, and help their decision any way that's possible. You also have to consider this. The percentage of Washington players who have been vaccinated for COVID-19, we believe, is between 50 and 60%. That's out of the 90 or so players on the team right now. What if when the team cuts down to 53, the percentage goes down? What if the bulk of the guys who haven't been vaccinated for COVID-19 are starters, or at the very least, guys who you know are making the season-opening 53-man roster? You know, it could be that the reason the percentage is as high, quote-unquote, as between 50 and 60% is those who aren't likely to make the 53-man roster. So this situation could get worse, maybe significantly worse, 
as we approach the start of the regular season. And when I say worse, I mean from a standpoint of the competitive disadvantages. I'm not here to vac shame or lecture. I will leave that to other people. There is plenty of lecturing going on in our country these days. One more from Terry on the COVID-19 vaccination situation. Uh, Where is the balance between a football player's individual choice, which I think everyone concedes these guys have, and a football player's responsibility to his team? I mean, I think um, we have to always be conscious of of that. Um, We know the rules. They've clearly stated those in our meetings so far, and we know that could come into play. And, you know, you hope that whatever decision guys choose to make um, is in the best interest of not only themselves, but as as our team collectively, Uh, because we have big goals this year. And, you know, we're not excited uh, about just making the playoffs, but we want to get there and and make some noise. But um, I think that just starts with – you know, how we care about each other and, and understanding um, what's best for yourself, but also everyone, because we have really big goals. So like I said earlier, I do respect um, everybody's decision to choose. And I think also other guys understand, um, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated, what the ramifications could be. Um, so I think that's just, you know, it's something that's going to be in the front of everybody's mind. And we got to take it a day by day, a step by step. But I think we're doing a good job of keeping each other safe. Our team is doing a good job of, um, you know, keeping things balanced and, and the distancing and everything like that. So that's a great start. Um, but obviously we know how long the season can be and, and uh, we just can't let up at all. Yeah, and that's a good point that Terry raises there. If Washington is going to have a bunch of guys not vaccinated for COVID-19, then Washington does have to do an excellent job for a second consecutive season with the COVID-19 protocols. One day, one day, my friends, we will no longer have to even mention COVID-19. Sadly, we have not yet arrived at that day. Uh, But trust me, I cannot wait until that day. And speaking of COVID-19, we must engage in even more COVID-19 talk right now because of what has happened with the Nationals. The Nats, for whom nothing is going well these days, now are in the midst of a second major COVID-19 outbreak this season. This is unbelievable. The season started with a COVID-19 outbreak, and now as the season is unraveling, we have another Nationals COVID-19 outbreak. The list of bad things for the Nats over the last month is nuts. This month of July has been the train wreck to end all train wrecks. The complete sinking of the season, including a 24-8 loss to the San Diego Padres at Nationals Park in the Nats' first game after the All-Star break and an embarrassing three-game sweep at the Orioles. The clear path that the Nats now are on to sell and sell hard come Friday's MLB trade deadline. The awful Steven Strasburg news, him having been set to undergo surgery on Wednesday to address neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, TOS. A number of other players being out due to injury. Game two for the Nats after the All-Star break was suspended due to gunfire outside of Nationals Park. And now we have another COVID-19 outbreak for the Nats. Like, what else can go wrong here for the Nats in this month of July? July cannot end soon enough. August 1st is this Sunday. If you're a Nats fan, you wish that day was today with the way that things have gone here for the Nats. So there was no game for the Nats on Wednesday. The game got postponed. Uh, Nats were to play game three of a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. The game postponed uh, to be made up on Thursday afternoon as part of a straight doubleheader beginning 
at 12.05. But who knows if those games will be played, A, because of the Nats' COVID-19 situation, B, because of some weather concerns in Philly. And oh, by the way, Max Scherzer was supposed to start game four in this series. I can't imagine that that happens with all of the reporting continuing to be that he's about to be traded. The trade deadline is Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Lots of talk about the top three teams in the National League West being in on Max, the San Francisco Giants, Los Angeles Dodgers, and San Diego Padres. Hopefully Mike Rizzo has incited a nice bidding war between those three teams and the Nats get back a nice haul for Max. And as I have been saying, hopefully all of the Nats' other major free agents to be are about to be traded as well. Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, Kyle Schwarber, Jan Gomes, and Josh Harrison. But with this COVID-19 outbreak, so this all started on Tuesday night, that 6-4 Nats win at the Phillies. Trey Turner, he in the game, as is usually the case, was in that starting shortstop at number two batter. He had a one-out infield single in the Nats three-run first, but then got pulled from the game in the bottom of the first due to having tested positive for COVID-19. Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night, said that he found out that Turner attested positive for COVID-19 right after the Josh Bell homer, a one-out three-run homer in the top of the first. Davey did not say whether Turner had been vaccinated for COVID-19, but did say that vaccinated players are not being tested for COVID-19. So Davey essentially did say that Turner has not been vaccinated for COVID-19. Okay, so that was all on Tuesday night. Then on Wednesday, we got word that that night's game had been postponed. The Nats game at the Phillies postponed so as, quote, to allow for continued testing and contact tracing involving members of the Nationals organization, end quote, per MLB in a press release. So here's what we know about this COVID-19 outbreak. It features 12 people on the Nationals having tested positive for COVID-19. Four players, including Trey Turner, and eight staff members. Now, Davey Martinez on Wednesday did say that only a few people have shown symptoms and all of them have been mild. But how about this? Davey also said that he believes that just one of the 12 people have not been vaccinated for COVID-19. And presumably that one person, right, is Trey Turner. So 11 of the 12 people in this COVID-19 outbreak for the Nationals have been vaccinated for COVID-19, and yet still have gotten COVID-19. Now, as I have pointed out, this straw man's criticism of getting vaccinated for COVID-19, of well, getting vaccinated for COVID-19 doesn't guarantee that you won't get COVID-19. That's true. That's also true of like every other vaccine out there. It doesn't guarantee that you won't get the ailment. The idea is it lessens the likelihood of you getting the ailment and lessens the symptoms of the ailment should you get it. But you know that this is going to be used against the argument for getting vaccinated of, well, look at the Nationals. 12 people tested positive for COVID-19. 11 of the 12 had been vaccinated for COVID-19. So much for that. So yeah, the COVID-19 mess continues clearly Uh, But the Nationals are dealing with another one of these outbreaks. And, you know, I do wonder about the following. So we know that the NFL has put mechanisms in place by which if there is a COVID-19 outbreak for an NFL team this coming season and a game has to be canceled, that team has to pay a price financially in terms of the game being canceled if the game was canceled because the outbreak was caused by the team having an unvaccinated player or unvaccinated players. And players are going to lose out on money 
And it's going to be a whole thing. Now, I don't anticipate any games being canceled. I mean, last NFL season, no games were canceled. We didn't have vaccines then. Now that we have vaccines, you're telling me games are going to be canceled? No, I don't see that happening. But the point is, the NFL has made it very clear to players, we are not going to lose a penny this coming season because some of you have chosen not to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, the NFL Players Association is much weaker than the MLB Players Association. But I do wonder about, okay, if you're MLB, right? And if, in fact, this Nationals COVID-19 outbreak is due to Trey Turner not getting vaccinated, and we don't know that, okay? We don't know that, and I don't know that we'll ever know that. But if you're MLB, wouldn't you say, uh, yeah, Uh, This is unacceptable, okay? If you're going to play in our league this year and you're not going to get vaccinated for COVID-19 and you not getting vaccinated for COVID-19 leads to a game being postponed, leads to money coming off the table because we have to take a nine-inning game and turn that into a seven-inning game, leads to an inconveniencing of an opposing team that did nothing wrong, then there should be some sort of penalty for that, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a classic thing of freedom of choice is not freedom of consequence. You have every right not to get vaccinated for COVID-19, but you also have every right to be subjected to consequences for not getting vaccinated for COVID-19. MLB is a business. MLB is allowed to run its business how MLB sees fit. So something to think about there. But again, we don't know if Trey Turner not being vaccinated for COVID-19 is how this whole outbreak started. We don't know that. So you can't just jump to that conclusion. But yeah, at the end of the day, this is another negative situation for the Nationals in a negative month to end all negative months. July 2021 cannot end soon enough for the Nats. All right, guys, if you love listening to me on the Al Galdi podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me talk about D.C. area sports, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Hockey is a sport that so often makes such little sense. I mean, the bounces of a circular rubber puck on ice determine so much. Well, here's something to add to the list of wackiness in hockey. The Capitals have reacquired goaltender Vitek Vanacek. Yes, the same Vitek Vanacek who the Caps just lost in the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. The Caps two Wednesday nights ago, so July 21st, lost Vanacek in the expansion draft for the Kraken. But the Caps on Wednesday evening of this week, so July 28th, announced having traded a second round pick in the 2023 NHL draft to the Kraken for Vanacek. So he's back with the Caps. And the second round pick that the Caps sent to the Kraken was just acquired by the Caps on Monday night. 
The Caps on Monday night traded defenseman Brendan Dillon to the Winnipeg Jets for two second-round picks, a second-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft and a second-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. And the Caps now have flipped that 2023 second-round pick to the Kraken to get back Vanacek. So that trade of Brendan Dillon now looks quite smart. A, the Caps shed salary. B, the Caps now can get younger and faster at defensemen. And C, the Caps used one of the second-round picks that the team got back from the Jets to get back Vanacek from the Kraken. You know, the Caps needed to add someone of consequence at goaltender. This coming season, it could not be just about Ilya Samsonov at goaltender for the Caps. He has been too inconsistent on the ice and too sketchy off the ice to be relied on as the Caps' unquestioned number one goaltender. Now, at least, the Caps are back to where they were last season. It's not necessarily a great situation, but this is a much better, more comfortable situation than where the Caps had been over these last few days. Samsonov and Vanacek, I mean, that figures to be the Caps' two-headed goaltending monster for this upcoming season. And hopefully, Samsonov takes a big step forward, you know, and delivers upon having been taken by the Caps with the number 22 pick in the 2015 NHL draft. But good job by Caps Senior Vice President and General Manager Brian McClellan in pulling this off. By the way, great tweet from the Seattle Kraken included the following, quote, thanks for an unforgettable week, VTech, end quote. Uh, yes, that was some week for VTech with the Kraken. So Wednesday was day one of NHL free agency. We certainly weren't anticipating any big signings by the Cavs, given how they're up against it with the salary cap. But we do get a move of significance. The Caps getting back. Vitek Vanacek. Caps did lose a goaltender. Craig Anderson, the old man, he signed a one-year contract with the Buffalo Sabres. But Vitek is back with the Caps. All right, the NBA draft is on Thursday night. The Wizards. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, that team, our team, the Wizards, they have the 15th overall pick. This is draft number three for Tommy Shepard as Wizards general manager, although he didn't officially become the Wizards general manager until July 2019 after the 2019 NBA draft. I like Tommy's first two first round picks for the Wizards. It's still early with both of these guys, but taking Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga with the number nine pick in the 2019 NBA draft and taking Denny Avdia from Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel with the number nine pick in the 2020 NBA draft. I do think that those picks right now, as things stand, appear to have been solid choices. Neither looks like a home run, but each one looks viable. And we'll see what each guy ends up becoming. I mean, Hachimura was viewed as a high floor, low ceiling player. I think that's essentially what he's been. He's been a good player. Still would like to see him be more consistent. Still would like to see him shoot the three better. But Rui Hachimura can play. And Avdia, to me, has talent. I mean, it's very early with him. Clearly, he's so young. You know, he's still just 20. And he is coming off a significant injury, a right ankle fracture that was suffered in a win over the Golden State Warriors at Capital One Arena this past April 21st. So we'll see what goes down with the Wizards in Thursday night's NBA draft. But the biggest item with the Wizards right now, of course, is the future of Bradley Beal. Multiple reports over the weekend that Beal was considering asking to be traded. This is not the first time that we've danced this dance in terms of speculation that Bradley Beal may want to be traded. He has always come out against asking 
to be traded, but all it takes is for that to change, and uh, we're off and running here. Uh, NBA insider Sham Sharania of The Athletic on Sunday reported that Beal had been, quote, seriously mulling his future in recent weeks, and at times has been very much on the fence about whether or not he wants to remain with the Wizards. Sources tell The Athletic the all-NBA guard could arrive at a decision during the upcoming week end quote. Well, we are right in the thick of things in regards to the upcoming week, and at least so far, we have not heard that Bradley Beal wants to be traded. We have heard now from Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard. We on Wednesday afternoon had a pre-draft press conference for Tommy Shepard. He said that Beal has not asked to be traded. Now, that doesn't mean that Beal won't ask to be traded. That also doesn't mean that Beal hasn't been thinking about asking to be traded, but per Tommy, Beal has not asked to be traded. Here was Tommy on his communication with Beal so far this offseason. Uh, the process of communication with Bradley is the same as for me that it's always been. We call each other. I was with him in Vegas, went out there and watched a couple of the, um, the exhibition games. I was there for Argentina, Australia, and uh, we had a great time, caught up talked about our coaching staff. Uh, and, and I think everything else to me for the outside noise is just noise. I don't comment on rumors or anything. I just know whenever I pick up the phone, we have a conversation. I give them updates, kind of what we were thinking. And- All right. So that's Tommy on his communication with Beal. I mean, look, if you're Tommy Shepard, you're not going to be 100% honest about everything. I get that. I accept that. I have no problem with that. I think we just have to note that if we're going to be listening to what Tommy has to say. What about this offseason? Bradley Beal can opt out of his contract next offseason. If the Wizards aren't going to trade Beal this offseason, or I guess this coming season, then the Wizards need to improve themselves this offseason to where the team is much improved next season. Otherwise, Beal will have every reason to opt out next summer and leave the Wizards for nothing or next to nothing. I've been very consistent with this. If the Wizards aren't going to trade Beal or Russell Westbrook this offseason, then the Wizards need to go all in this offseason to acquire a major piece to elevate the team beyond being what it is, which is an at-best number four through number six seed in the Eastern Conference. Tommy on Wednesday on the notion of this potentially being a make-or-break offseason. I don't think anything's ever make or break with anything. You know, what we got to do is continue to push to get better and show value, show that we've gotten better across the board. You know, I I don't know how to say it any more strong than that, that that an extension is available in October. That's something that'll be there the moment it's available. There's no pressure on Bradley other than I just want to make sure we respect the day that it's available, that it's there. That's what we did the last time when we did the extension that no one thought we could do. But the next two months is really our responsibility is to watch the Wizards getting better. And we've tried to do everything we can uh, as well thought out as we can, not do cut corners or do anything. Somebody asked earlier about are we sacrificing the future for now? I think there's ways to get better for next season and ways to, to have something in the bank to continue to improve in the outer years uh, that, that you can do parallel to each other at the same time. And it, I, I think that's certainly something we're striving for. Yeah, so you heard Shepard mention this October. That's when Bradley Beal is eligible to sign another max contract extension with the Wizards. This is how screwy the NBA's contract rules are. Bradley Beal's last max contract extension, which he signed in October 2019, still hasn't kicked in. 
That extension kicks in beginning with this next season, the 2021-2022 season. And already there's conversation about another max contract extension for Bradley Beal. The NBA's contract rules, A, are so complicated, okay? The NBA's contract rules are like the tax code. But B, does that make any sense to you? Like, is that good for the financial health of the league that you can sign a guy to a max contract extension and then you can sign the guy to another max contract extension before the previous one even kicks in? Like, does, does that sound like something that's good for the NBA? I, I, I just, I, I find that hysterical that that is part of the mechanics of this whole Bradley Beal situation. Well, what about taking a big swing this offseason, trying to add a third major piece? Here was Tommy Shepard on Wednesday on that notion. Well, it's like we've always said, do you want to prepare for the big moment and be ready for the big moment? And you'll know when that moment comes because people will be calling you about it. We don't go intending to trade anybody on our roster, right? But when those moments present themselves in, in the last two years, I think we've shown we, we're not shy to do anything that we think makes the Wizards better. And of course, that should be the mindset. So this is, of course, draft number one for the Wizards with Wes Unsell Jr. as head coach. In the NBA draft, you always should go best player available. I mean, I think in every draft, you should go best player available. But especially in the NBA draft, positions in the NBA have never mattered less. Basketball has become a positionless sport. The Wizards need to get themselves the best player possible at 15. Let's hope that they do that. But like I said, right now, it all comes back to Bradley Beal and to a lesser extent, Russell Westbrook. A lot of stuff out there on both guys in recent days. Are the Wizards keeping Beal and Westbrook or are the Wizards not keeping Beal and Westbrook? The NBA draft is a checkpoint for something like this. So if both Beal and Westbrook are on the Wizards come Friday morning, then it's far more likely that neither guy is being traded this offseason. And I'll say this about Beal. If he's going to ask to be traded this offseason, he better do it before the draft because he's really doing the Wizards a disservice if he waits until after the draft. This looks to be a very good draft. It's a big deal if you can get an additional first round pick in this draft. It would be very unfair to the Wizards for them not to be told by Beal that he wants to be traded until after this draft. The damn Washington Wizards. Exactly. All right, we had a walk-off win for the Orioles on Wednesday night with an emphasis on walk. Uh, It was a comeback win, too. The O's overcame a 5-0 second-inning deficit, 8-7 the final over the Miami Marlins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards for a two-game split as, yes, the O's were back in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, thank you, Joe Angel. So the O's in the game totaled eight runs on eight hits and nine walks. Yes, the Orioles drew nine walks in this game, including four walks in a bottom of the ninth in which the O's scored a run on a leadoff walk by Cedric Mullins, back-to-back one-out intentional walks of Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle, and then a walk-off walk by Ryan McKenna. Hey, by whatever means are necessary, I guess, get a win. Mancini, by the way, also had a leadoff homer in the Orioles' two-run third on an 0-2 pitch. If his time with the O's is ending, given Friday's MLB trade deadline, he's going out strong. Uh, Mancini in the 7-3 loss to the Marlins at Camden Yards on Tuesday night had two doubles. Speaking of potential trade chips, three Orioles relievers were showcased quite nicely as trade chips in this win on Wednesday night. Cole Solcer, Dylan Tate, 
and Tanner Scott. Those three guys combining for two scoreless innings. Solcer had two strikeouts in the scoreless top of the eighth. Tate began the top of the ninth by issuing a four-pitch walk and giving up a first-pitch single, but then did record a strikeout, and Scott faced two batters in the top of the ninth and got two outs. All three guys have come up regarding potentially being traded. They are relievers. There is no reason not to trade all of them. Get whatever you can for them. Relievers are fickle, so if any reliever has any kind of momentum and you are a rebuilding and tanking team as the Orioles are, flip the reliever for whatever you can get. Bad start for Jorge Lopez on Wednesday night. Five runs in two innings, but the O's won. They now are an American League worst 35 and 65. O's on Thursday night begin a seven-game road trip, four-game series at the Detroit Tigers, followed by a three-game series at the New York Yankees. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Big show on Friday, episode 112, including an in-depth report on Washington football team training camp. The latest on the Nationals as Friday is the day, MLB trade deadline day. What will already have gone down, what will be going down, and what already has been an unforgettable week in Nationals history, and we'll have whatever happens for the Wizards in Thursday night's NBA draft to get into. We know that Max Scherzer is getting traded. What about Bradley Beal? What if Scherzer and Beal get traded at the same time? Each guy, by the way, from Missouri, interestingly enough. Have a great rest of your Thursday. I'll talk to you on Friday. There's some position flex with them. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.